Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. In this podcast, I give you ideas, insights, information, and inspiration to help you achieve your potential in business and in life. So let's get stuck into this week's show. Hello, everyone. This is Dave Drimmy from the Wealthy Wednesday podcast. I am thrilled that we've got a guest today coming to us from South Africa, uh, an amazing young man. In fact, it was a gentleman that referred by Paul Wingate last week on the show. So that makes it even more special. Referrals are awesome. So we have a gentleman, he's called Clayton Drotsky, and he's an amazing young man. He's going to share his own journey. But all I want to say is, when it comes to hiring people and building culture, he comes from a unique environment, sometimes quite a toxic environment, with high turnover of employees because he comes out of a call center, okay? So, uh, Clayton, are you there? I'm yeah, Dave, thank you very much. Hey, outstanding. And by the way, I know you just shared with me, it's 30 degrees with you, so um, thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Somewhat chillier here in Scotland, but anyway, welcome to the show. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. Um, it's a huge honor. So look, I, I arrived in South Africa last week, Friday from the UK, and I went on a bicycle ride with my mates on Saturday morning, and it was the first time I wore one layer of clothing since August, and uh, it was a dream come true. <laughs> it's such a difference. But yeah, it's the UK has been, been very cold of late. Well, listen, uh, folks, if you're listening to the show, then basically just understand Clayton is literally wearing a T-shirt and I've got two jumpers on. So anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so, so Clayton, we're, we're here today. You, you've got a really unique experience in terms of your your uh, your career actually but maybe you can obviously you come from south africa which is fabulous and uh, maybe you can just give us a little snapshot before we dive into the meat and two veg of hiring culture and all that good stuff maybe you could just share a little bit of a snapshot of your pathway to uh, to what you're doing today and what you actually do today yes for sure so um as any good south african i spent two years working in the uk in a pub back in 2002 um and then I came back to South Africa and I basically needed some money for beer to be with my friends, right? And the call center jobs, I mean, no one puts up their hand at career day in school and says, I want to work in a call center. But so many people <laughs> end up in one, right? So I ended up in a call center as a means to make money so I can go out because I was only 25 at the time. And uh, social life was obviously very important to me at that time. And um, call centers don't need you to be a doctor to qualify to work there, right? Your qualifications are just basically you need to be able to read and write and make a conversation. So um, got into the call center and I was very fortunate because within two years, I was made the manager of a call center, 150 people. And the call center wasn't doing that great. Uh, retention was a problem. And our employee engagement survey that we had just done our call center in South Africa was part of a much bigger global company with about, I don't know, 15 call centers worldwide. We finished wow. really badly in terms of our employee engagement. And um, we got a, a, a lady to come out and um, actually there was, a, there was a few people that played a big role. But one in particular um, is my mentor today still. Um, and I, why I say that is she kind of showed me how leadership, how impactful leadership could be. Because she didn't know me from a bar of soap when she met me, but yet she trusted me wholeheartedly and valued me from the beginning. When she arrived there, she obviously had the job of turning around the engagement at the call center and making it a fun place for people to be and stop the retention, you know, the retention bleed. So what she did is she showed me the game plan from day one. Very important. She included me in the whole thing, showed me how my contribution, how valuable it's going to be and how I'm going to contribute. 
and then basically gave me the wheels to the bus and said, Clayton, yeah, you drive this thing. So for me, it was, I realized a couple of weeks later that I was working my backside off for this call center because of this person who saw something in me they wanted to nurture and develop. And I wanted to prove them right. So she got the best out of me by valuing me and giving me some autonomy and making me feel very special that I belong to something bigger than myself because my contribution was going to be massive. And she told me this. So I realized this and I, and I realized leaders, there's, there's lots of risk involved, you know, giving someone so much autonomy at the end of the day, if the call center did not improve, it was her head on the block, not mine. She was the director. But the risk goes both ways because here I am, if I didn't take all this value she gave me and prove her right, that she, that she should believe in me, I would not be where I am today. So the risk is both ways. And I realized very quickly that that was a really nice way of leading and getting people to enjoy what they do. Um, so I did that to my team leaders. I had eight at the time and then the call center agents. And um, we had a very successful call center. And it cost nothing. From a training perspective, it cost us nothing. It just cost us the, the, the time to believe in people, invest in them, challenge them and develop them. And, you know, call center lifespan, especially in a sales environment where your commission is the majority of your take-home pay, the lifespan is about two years. Yet in this call center, that's the case. We have agents who have been there now for 10, 12, 15 years. I mean, I, I left them about four years ago. But agents stay because they enjoy what they do. They can be themselves. They're comfortable there because it's a safe place. They feel valued. They belong to something bigger than themselves. Um, and they stay as call center agents. So it's a family. It really is a family environment. So that's what I did. Um, I worked there for 14 years. Two years was together with this my, my mentor. And then I went to the Caribbean. I worked in a call center in the Caribbean, which was an incredible experience for me. And then back to the UK to, um, yeah, to, to work in call centers. And then last year, February, I decided to work for myself. And I started my own company called Growth Crew. Uh, I help leaders get the best out of their their people by being people first leaders, and um, yeah, it's been a heck of a journey, as I'm sure you understand, Dave, from working for yourself. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Well, uh, that is a phenomenal journey. So, spending time all told, how many years did you have you spent in uh, working within call centres then? Uh, Eighteen years. Eighteen years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. You must have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in there um, when, when you've been working there then. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I've had people who are leaders who may have got all their leadership qualities from watching The Sopranos. I've, <laughs> had, um, I've had leaders like the one I've just explained who have been unbelievable. And that's why I talk, leaders have such a massive impact. You know, you, you add value um, and you, you can inspire people to do and be better every single every single day and you shouldn't do yourself an injustice having a great leader like i had had a massive impact on the rest of my career but i could have been unlucky and i could have had a really bad leader and that could have had a negative impact on my life so when you look at a toxic call center it's because well my feeling at least is because the people who are are, are in the leadership roles are there for the wrong reasons um they're there to make money which is obviously what everyone wants to do but they forget that the people that are in the call center, if they enjoy what they do and they find satisfaction in what they do, they'll look forward to doing it, um, they'll enjoy doing it, and they'll excel at it too, naturally. But that's what wow. you want. You want that that feeling. So this is really, really fascinating to me because 
This podcast series was actually, um, it was inspired by a gentleman called uh, Michel Falcon. In fact, it's a great book, actually. It's called People First Culture. Oh, yeah. And I really, really strongly recommend that anyone gets it. People First Culture, build a lasting company by shifting your focus from profits to people. So what you're really saying is that's exactly, without even knowing about that book, basically that's what you've been doing for the last 18 years, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And lucky that it happened to me um, that I was able to understand what good leadership looked like and was able to implement it myself. Well, I just, I just find that that's fantastic. And um, so when you look at toxic companies, what you, you mentioned, obviously, about, about leaders that are just solely focused on um, the money side of things and obviously the Sopranos, that's their, <laughs> uh, that's their training guide. But what else? Talk about toxicity. Talk about some of the lessons that you've learned and that you, when you walk into a company now in your currently current role, that you can immediately spot. What, what toxic elements are that, and then we'll come on to how you would suggest that that can be fixed some of the some of the signs one of my good friends actually on in linkedin uh, on linkedin that i've met over the last 12 months is a guy called danny women and um he says culture leaves evidence and it's so true i don't want to steal his line that's his line um it's so true you know i've been to some companies where people compare busyness you know um They'll make some remarks, like they, they might make a remark when they come back from lunch. Oh, just come back from lunch, probably have 120 emails again. Why would you say that? Why are we comparing busyness? Why are we putting up boundaries? Do we, want, do we not want people to ask us things because we don't know how to do it? Are we, is that why we're pretending to be busy? Or why is busyness such an important thing to us to compete in? And that, that I must admit, um, I've heard often, and that's kind of a sign for me that the people are not there as a team. They're working individually. And when you start comparing busyness, there could be boundaries up. Um, they are afraid of taking on challenges. They, they don't celebrate the victories of others. Uh, and that's like a, it almost rolls into what a fixed mindset looks like. A fixed mindset is, you know, the one where I, I, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I, I don't want to challenge. I don't want to challenge. I don't want anyone to challenge me because I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to celebrate in the victories of others. And I'm, yeah, please don't bother me. You know, I'm just, I'm busy. So, yeah, I, I see that sometimes, and that could be, that for me is a sign of a, of a toxic environment. Um, one where you don't see the leaders, you know, there's no relationship, you don't talk to them. It's seen or be, you know, speak when spoken to, a very hierarchical approach. They're in offices away from everybody, closed doors, no one ever sees them. And you feel like you're just a number in those, in, in those circumstances. You know, you're just part of this, you're not emotionally connected to the business. It's a, it's a means to make money. So will you ever make, will you ever give extra? Probably not. Um, mm. because you're not, you're not asked to do it. So those are some of the signs that I see that make me feel there's something not right here. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that. And um, as you were saying there, you talked about fixed mindset. So it sounds like you're aware of Carol Dweck, the Stanford professor. Have you her book, yes. Mindset? Yes, yes. I found that really fascinating. So I was rereading it uh, again last year. I try and read it once a year because it's a great reminder. And I was rereading it thinking, oh, you know, I've got, I've got a growth mindset. And I was, as I was reading it, it was going, this is a fixed mindset. This is, I'm going, oh, my goodness gracious me. So <laughs> sometimes forget that we continually need to reinforce growth mindset. Um, but it's a, it's a lovely book. And um, 
What, what did you learn from it? Well, I read the article. I didn't read the book. I read the article on, on the growth mindset. And it makes so much sense, especially in this last year of me owning my own business. I never, never in my wildest dreams thought the personal growth would be as much as it's been. So I guess before I started my business, I would have been, my ego would have played a big role in decision making or doing something or taking on a task. But now I'm very often, and I'm happy to say it, the dumbest guy in the room, but it's fantastic because I've got nothing to lose. I've only got to gain. So one day, hopefully when I'm, I've met so many incredible business owners who've been 10, 15 years in business, made it very, very successful. How I'm learning from them. It's, I'm actually, I feel guilty because I've got nothing to give back right now, but hopefully one day, I can give back and say, hey, you know what I've learned? This is what I've learned. So I, I love it. The growth mindset after that article, I was like, wow, that makes so much sense because you, you, you never stop learning. I've learned more about myself. I'm 42 years old now. I've learned more about myself in this last 12 months than I learned about myself in, tw- in 42 years. And mm-hmm. if, I didn't have the, if I didn't read that article on the growth mindset, maybe I would have eventually. But yeah, it just it, it, it emphasized how much you can actually still learn and how much I don't know. Um, which is awesome. Well, so this again, that self-realization when you can get rid of most of your ego. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we're always going to retain some. It's a fabulous place to be. And I was on a call last night with a gentleman called Earl, uh, based in Vancouver, in Canada, actually. And um, so it's nighttime, my time. It's like eight a.m. his. And um, so he's he's a phenomenal man. Um, he's like an evil marketing genius. His his knowledge is amazing when it comes to growing businesses. Uh, particularly using digital uh, elements. Mm. And he was saying, he was saying um, a, a mentor of his had set himself a goal of, um, you know, helping one million business owners to create freedom. Yeah. And Earl took that on board like, um, like 10 years ago and just said, listen, let me be part of helping those, helping you to hit your one million. So it sounds to me you're very similar. It's about that contribution and helping people see the light, if that makes sense, see the opportunity to grow and create freedom. Would that be fair? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, my, my webinar is called um, Be Bigger Than Any Challenge for Leaders. Oh, really? Because we can be bigger than any challenge. If you, mm. if you have the right intentions, because no matter who I ask, if I ask anybody, think back to your first leaders or your first boss. You can tell within minutes of meeting them what their intentions are. Are they there for themselves, personal glory, or are they there for the better of the greater good? What, what, are, they, what are they there for? So if, you are, if you're a leader who has, who's there for the right reasons, you're inclusive, you know that even if you go into the most intense conflict situation, at the office or wherever it may be in the work, in work environment, the most intense conflict situation. But you're going in there with the, with the right attitude that um, I'm going to be myself, I'm going to listen, and even if I don't have the right answer, I'm going to find it. You cannot lose. If you go in with the right intentions, you can't lose. So, you know, um, I forget his name now, but I'm reading the book, um, Hav, Hav Ecker. The book about a secret miller, the mind of a secret of a millionaire. Yeah, he he says um, he says that if your problem, if, if if a problem is five out of ten, and your strength of character is two out of ten, then that is a massive problem. But if your strength of character is eight out of ten, then that five out of ten problem seems minuscule. So you yeah. can be bigger than any problem, um, but it's got to be it's got to start up. Yeah, if your intentions are clear, um, you can't lose. 
that's phenomenal. Uh, I'm just going back in like a, a minute or so there. So when, when I be began my career, I was uh, uh, doing quantity surveying with a, a construction company in Edinburgh. So uh, my, uh, my stepdad um, knew the owner of this company and managed to get me a, a, a job starting on the Monday, okay? The chief quantity surveyor was, uh, he must have been instructed by the owner to say, listen, David's starting, it's a personal friend, son, blah, 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 whatever. That individual for two years made it his mission to make my life the worst possible it could be. Mm. It was, I look back on it now and go, wow, that's amazing because I'm all about growth and helping people grow. But even just last year, I was working actually with a coach and we went all the way back to what was going on in those two years yeah. and unpacked some of the negative baggage from my mind that blocked me all, you know, from years ago. Really, really fascinating and very, very insightful. But it's amazing how a toxic environment can send people on a trajectory that's maybe wrong for them. I think it was right for me because it taught me how crap it was. And I've always been in source of um, knowledge and moving forward and improvement and, and self-growth and all that kind of stuff, a bit like you. But when you when you were in your call center and you mentioned earlier on that, just it seemed that call centers and this particular gentleman, and I mean business owners, you know, as you talked about, sopranos, mm. these kind of people all the time. It's just completely ridiculous because they cannot create a fertile culture. It's a culture of fear. Yes, you know, I don't know if it's because call centers there's a mass, there's a massive pool of people you can select to come work for you. And that's why if you don't get, if this person doesn't work, you'll, there's, a, there's a queue of people waiting to come in. And no one's loyal to a call center either. But you have an opportunity to, to, many times people in call centers are young people that start, right? It's a stepping stone in their careers. And I work with a lot of call center agents still today in my, in my own business. And the first thing I always tell them is absolutely use and abuse the time you have in a call center to learn as much as possible. If it's two months or 20 years, you have an opportunity to learn skills that will carry you for the rest of your life. You will learn how to become comfortable with the most uncomfortable situations, how to handle crucial conversations with customers. You'll learn how to um, be resilient, how to adapt because call centers are ever changing. You know, one week the salaries change or the incentive structure changes to the next week. So you learn how to adapt and just take it. Those are, kinds of, those are the kinds of things that skills you can learn. And, you know, we talk about purpose. A call center agent's purpose isn't as clear as perhaps a person who is a chef. I, I've told this story before. Um, there was a great uh, experiment done in Boston with uh, lecturers from London University and lecturers from Harvard University. And you can actually go look for the article. It's called, Do Chefs Make Tastier Food When They Can See the Customers? And what they did is they spent time in the restaurant, a normal everyday restaurant, to get a base score. So they spent time there in the kitchen, in the dining area, and then they were taking customer satisfaction scores. Then what they did a couple of weeks into this to get a baseline, they then put cameras on the table so the chefs could see the customers. And within four days or five days, the customer satisfaction went up by 10%. And what they put this down to is the chefs, their purpose was highlighted. You know, yes, Dave and Clayton in my restaurant, they could be celebrating a 20-year school anniversary. It's a special occasion. We're part of that experience for them. We don't know how far Dave's come to get to the restaurant. He could have taken three buses, two cars, a train trip. We don't know. But he's here now. And interesting, one of the things they spoke about in the article was one of the chefs, before the cameras were on the table, they used to 
um, pre-cook all the eggs for the day, right? Um, as soon as the cameras went on the table, they cooked the eggs fresh for every order. No one asked them to do this. No one said they should do this. They just did it. So their purpose was highlighted. Now, with call center agents, I've always found it's not as easy. What is your purpose, right? Someone does a quote online to take out insurance, for example. You need to phone them to find out if they want it, right? So you, many people are annoyed by that. They feel their privacy is invaded. But as a call center agent, you, you've got to control, you learn how to control the controllables. You can't control if someone's going to pick up the phone. You can't control who's going to pick up. You can't control what campaign marketing is going to give you for today to run. But you can control how incredibly awesome you're going to be when that person picks up the phone. And as a call center agent, you do have the opportunity to make someone's day. Even if they don't buy anything from you, you can blow them away with your enthusiasm and energy. And I always use the Maya Angelou quote, you know, you, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And as a call center agent, you have the opportunity to brighten up someone's day. If they answer the phone and you're super great and super friendly and you make the experience memorable, they might put the phone down, even without a sale, and say, wow, that was an incredibly friendly person. They, they brightened my day. And that's something we can look forward to. So, And you learn these lessons in a call center. So purpose is very important. Fantastic. I also think about call centers. It's a great place with, um, with AI now to the fore, with the likes of ChatGPT, OpenAI, Jasper, and now Google uh, with their bar, basically there's a lot of fear going on about jobs being taken over, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, I still think that um, a call center learning communication skills is a core concept, I would think, because if, if people come in and they can speak to people genuinely, as you're talking about, and can leave them in a good place, once you have those communication skills uh, polished, then that's, you've got them for life, haven't you? Exactly. I spoke to a lady um, in Milton Keynes. She has a marketing agency, and she told me that she has 13 staff members. 12 of them are marketers with degrees in marketing. One of them comes from a call center background. And whenever they go to an external customer, whoever goes takes the call center person with them because they know how to listen and decipher what the customer really needs. You know, if you go to, in a, in a marketing world, you get your degree, you don't learn when you're in a university, you don't learn those communication skills you might learn in a call center at a young age. So a call center agent won't sell you a stiletto if all you really need is a sandal. A marketing, you know, my wife's in marketing and they have got such creative and brilliant brains in terms of what looks great and what sells and what you should be telling customers. But they also might come sometimes in with preconceived ideas of what works when the customer really doesn't want that, but something different. The call center agent's able to go, okay, I, I hear what the customer's saying and could maybe, you know, understand it in a way that the customer would like it to be understood. Um, but yeah, that's just, I just was, it was quite fascinating that the call center person always goes with um, because they bring in a different perspective, um, which is great. And the core thing you're talking about there is actually listening, not just yeah. listening to the, the top level answers, but actually listening to what's not being said sometimes, which is even more powerful. So, yes, um, definitely. So, so Clayton, obviously you've got world of experience, but you know, you, you work with many, many other businesses outside call centers now. So you mentioned that you're working with, I think, a, um, a mechanic. And who, who else are you working with at the moment and how are you helping them? Um, I'm working with a social housing company in the UK. 
I've worked with yep. a, a, a small accounting firm. I've worked with a owner, a business owner, the um, owner. I've worked with insurance companies, and it's fascinating because leadership is, you know, it's it's the same. You people say you should niche in a business and you should, you know, should niche and in, in specialize in something, but leadership is is everywhere. And my message is that leaders have an opportunity to to add value and to inspire people to do and be better. That's what I always say. So for me. I I don't want leaders to do themselves an injustice. Even the smallest little things, Dave, like, um, and you don't even know it as a leader that you're doing it. But say, for example, one of your team members comes to your desk to ask you a question and you your eyes do not move up from your PC to look at them. But you, you, know, you ask them, you say to them, yeah, uh, carry on. What do you want to say? What do you want to ask me? But you don't look at them. It sends a message. That person walks away thinking, how much value, how much, how valuable am I in this company? Um, or, for example, if I've got a one-on-one with you as a team leader and we have a meeting in the morning with a greater team, and then I say to you, listen, Dave, we've just had a team meeting. I said everything I wanted to say. Can we cancel the one-to-one? And leaders do that at times. And it, it, the one-on-one is not about you. It's about the, it's about the, it's about the team member. And that team member might want to brag about something they've been working on to impress you because they think they're going to make you proud. Or they might have a challenge that they can't deal with and they want you to help them. But, you know, little things like that go such a long way. And sometimes people don't even realize they're doing it because as leaders, we have so many spinning plates and challenges that we deal with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And very often we don't get to do what it says on our tin, which is lead. And we're faced with all these other things we're doing. We... I always say we're like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. You know, you've, in, you, your chances of winning are small. And, mm. yeah, one of the things I tell leaders is to try and escape. If you can book yourself some time in your diary with no distraction, not even your cell phone, walk away from your desk and look at your, your um, business or your team in a, from a helicopter point of view. What are the tasks your team need to do? And what are, what, who's in your team? And how are, you, how are you challenging them? How are you developing them? Because if you spend a lot of time doing that right and, and identifying some efficiencies, then you might buy yourself time to do other stuff like lead. So give yourself time to escape as a leader. You know, I know we're all really busy and we have all these spinning plates, but it's such a great tool to use um, to, to be able to do that. Fabulous. I think as you, as you look on leadership, working with a client at the moment, and really we're just working from the bottom up. You know, we're looking at two clients specifically right now um, and, and think about it like a pyramid. So we've got core values on the bottom and then we have the purpose and the why. And then above that, what we're actually doing is we're looking at the the next uh, three to five year goals and then breaking it into, court, you know, annual goals mm. quarterly. And then that breaks it all down. So what draws people is basically um, core values. So... How important do you think are core values um, when it comes to building culture in an organization? The values should be what guides you when you're making a decision. The values should be what, what the, your, your, your playbook, you know. Um, it's very important for a leader to get to include people from the very, very beginning. Um, Jose Mourinho in the in the Amazon special where he was coaching Tottenham's Hotspurs at the time, and I know he leaves every club after a couple of years because I don't know what happens, but you can see why he's successful if you watch that program because from day one he tells people the game plan and he says this is why we exist, this is what we need to achieve, 
And this is why we want to achieve it, our purpose. And everyone immediately feels like, right, that's it. I, I, I hate to mention this, but, you know, South Africa won the Rugby World Cup in 2019. And it's pretty common. <laughs> and 18 months before that World Cup, Rassi Rasmus took over the team. And he used um, Stephen Covey's um, slogan, keep the main thing the main thing. And he said to the team, trust the, trust the process, keep the main thing the main thing. And from day one, everyone was included. This is our game plan. So the values and the, the vision and the mission, it should be a collective. From day one, if someone moves into a company, imagine, um, and I'm not saying this should, you know, you should do this, but imagine I'm starting a, I'm starting in a company and there's a little booklet that says to me, this is how the company started. This is the, this is the, the hard times they've had. That's how they got out of those hard times. This is where we are now. This is our successes and our wins. And there's a blank page where, with my name on it. And it says, well, now you write your legacy. Like, well, you do what you need to do. You want to include people from the beginning. If someone comes into your team, you want to share with them, guys, this is the game plan. This is why our team exists in this call center. We're an inbound team. And this is why we exist. This is our purpose as the inbound team. We're responsible for most of the revenue because we take all the calls. And this is why our purpose, why we need to achieve it. Because we want to be the team that doesn't let any other team, doesn't let the call center down. And this is how valuable you guys are in this game plan. And this is why we exist. So very important to have that inclusivity. If I feel part of something bigger than myself uh, or feel part of something special, then I'm inclined to enjoy it more. I look forward to doing it. Yeah. Fantastic. I think that just the insights you're sharing uh, with us today are phenomenal, particularly that because you, you now have a roadmap and an important why to guide people through to the next level, which is fantastic. So, so from that, then you know it, it's like um, it's like uh, the rowing boat, isn't it? If you've got a team of eight or ten or how many people in a rowing boat and they're all pulling in the same direction, you zip along the top of the water. But if oh, someone's yeah. rowing rowing or getting it wrong then basically you can capsize the whole rowing boat can't you so uh and we've seen cambridge or oxford i forget which actually capsizing i don't call it that much but but basically that roadmap is really, really important but 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 the but, but the why and the direction of why you're doing it is just incredibly valuable so yeah 100 um, percent. people you know dan pink in his book drives talks about the internal motivation and today we want to be internally motivated. If we're doing something that, if we're doing something that doesn't inspire us, then we need supervision because we have no energy to do it, and that's why we need supervision. But if we're doing something that's driving us internally, then we don't need supervision because we'll do it because we want to do it um, and we enjoy doing it. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, and here's why: so strengths and weaknesses. Recently, just. Encourage. So I was in doing a kickoff meeting with a client, and basically, this uh, one of the <clears throat> one of the senior team popped in to have a chat and what have you. An amazing lady actually asked him to go away and do the sixteen personalities dot com test, and it's Myers Briggs, and it's you know introvert or extrovert, and there's eight boxes, what have you. But when she did it, she shared with me on WhatsApp. Um, I think it was a late late one. It's the weekend actually. She sent it across, and I could not believe. Two things. One, it was the same personality as me, which when I met her, I didn't think that. Yeah. But basically, her strengths and her weaknesses are completely different. But it's about accentuating working on the strengths and delegating the weaknesses to somebody for whom those weaknesses mm -hmm. are strengths. 
How important are defining strengths and weaknesses in a call center, for example? Um, you know, they are important because not everyone can handle rejection as well as the next person. Some people take it more personally if they handle rejection. Not everyone can have a tough conversation and walk away with it thinking, in the greater scheme of my life, that conversation means nothing. So it shouldn't bother me now. It shouldn't bother me in five minutes from now. It shouldn't bother me in two hours from now. So there are people with you develop a thick skin and you become comfortable with the uncomfortable. But I've always said, call center agents, the best salespeople are the non-salespeople. Um, gone are the days of the Wolf of Wall Street kind of you know hard sell. Where now today, I want to buy from someone who's genuine, who wants genuinely wants the best for me, wants to uh, cares about me, and is truthful, honest. That's what who I want to speak to. I don't want to speak to the sleazy salesperson. So strengths and weaknesses in call centers are very important, but you can. What's great about a call center environment is you can learn how to have conversations with people and you don't have to be um, uncomfortable because you're, you have to be sleazy to make a phone call. You can make, you can build rapport with people, get them to know, like, and trust you in a very short space of time. So strengths and weaknesses are very important, but you can develop those strengths. And for a leader, what you want is to build confidence in people, even those who feel like oh my gosh, how am I going to make anything? How am I going to do the sales? How am I going to make, how am I going to get my target? You can build confidence in people by giving them regular feedback, you know, um, celebrating their victories with them, uh, asking them, you know, being, being immersed in their tasks. So Dave, tell me, what are you, what are you doing today? What are you going to be busy with today? No, I'm working on this campaign. That sounds exciting. I can't wait to hear about when. When can I get some feedback this afternoon? That's fantastic. When you get the feedback, Celebrate with them if it's a victory. If it's not a victory, it's a learning. So you either win or you learn. So you can build confidence in, in call center agents or any, any leader can build confidence. You, you think about a football team that's confident, Arsenal at the moment, right? They can't do anything wrong. They, okay, I know they lost to Everton the fourth, fourth this weekend. Maybe it's not a great example. But confident players are always in the right place at the right time. They make the right decisions. Those same players, when they become unconfident, they make bad decisions. They hesitate. They're not in the right place at the right time. Um, and it's the same player. So imagine a team of confident people. In your, in, if you're building their confidence um, as a leader by, by celebrating, like the example I just gave you, asking for feedback, being immersed in their tasks and celebrating with them or giving them you know, the truth. Because people want the truth. You're building a confident team. Imagine having a confident team that nothing can deter them and they in the right place at the right time, making the right decisions. That's incredible. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I think it's great. And um, I'll come to hiring, actually, because um, if you've helped increase the longevity of employees, um, uh, basically um, from two to 15 years, uh, so even if you've doubled the time, then the recruitment costs, you've just completely cut in pieces. And a friend of mine in America, Mike McCormack, actually, he's been on the podcast and he said, the average cost of the average cost of hiring a new employee is 15 times the salary. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, no, it's true. You know, in call centers, it's, it's um, systems. Call centers work on multiple systems. So it's systems training. Then you need the product training. Then you need sales training. And then you reach the floor. So all that investment, that can take some weeks. Mm. If you don't look after them and they leave, they keep leaving, well, you're wasting money. You're throwing money away with all this recruitment and talent, all, uh, recruiting talent and training them all the time consistently. If you make mm. an environment where people want to be in the, the environment that excites them, then, they, then they'll stay and, and they'll, yeah. 
cost, it will save you money. I heard a couple of weeks ago that um, when you go into an Apple store, all you know, this it's just huge, and the, there's products just kind of dotted around. It's it's the whole environment is about browsing, and the Apple employees get forty minutes of sales training every single day. Wow. Okay. Forty minutes. And that's why they are so good at, uh, at serving people. In fact, a mentor of mine once shared with me, he said, uh, it's a lovely phrase that always stuck with me, the better you serve, the better you sell. But yes. service always comes first. 100%. If you can make someone feel, or you can create the perception with someone that you really care about them, then, then you're, on a, you're on a winning wicket um, to getting a sale. I always tell people, you know, if you look at, I compare it to, South African or, or radio stations. You know, if you listen to a radio station that's a very popular one that's been in business for a long time and you listen to the newsreader or the weather reporter, you're just listening. You're not even thinking about it. Then if you listen to maybe like a local village radio station where the DJ is not as experienced, the newsreader is brand new, and they pronounce some of the names in Edinburgh or, or Glasgow, they, they pronounce the names wrong. Then only do you realize how easy the other person makes it sound because makes it sound because they always just read the news and it's perfect i don't even realize i'm listening to it and i and i always say when you're selling to someone don't let them get don't let them go somewhere else and get bad service and then realize how good you were let them make them realize it now while you while you're there with them how good you are by serving them listening and you know 100 immersed and applying yourself in the call um let them understand how good you are right now. Don't let them have bad experiences and then think, geez, that guy made it sound really easy. It's too late. Yeah. Wow. That's phenomenal. Clayton, listen, you've been incredibly generous. I know you're enjoying your time in South Africa. I'm not going to keep you out of your 30-degree <laughs> heat there for any longer. I want, to, I, want, I want to share your details in a second, but if there was one golden nugget that you could share with the folks listening to, to the podcast um, about – building the right culture that you haven't mentioned so far, if there was just one golden nugget that you wanted people to take away on how they can become better leaders and build a better culture, what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. I would say as a leader, if there's one thing, make sure your, your, your team know that you're there for the right reasons by the, by the way you, through your behavior. If they know that you've there because you've got their back, and you are there to see them succeed and develop and challenge them, then you're already on a great on a great trajectory. Wow. That's outstanding. And, and sorry to put you on the spot there, but um, I just thought it would be very valuable if you can share that uh, and insight. So thank you for doing that. So yeah, basically, when it comes to working with uh, – you, you work with different industries now. It's not just call centers. We talked about that earlier on. So you can go in and, and work with leaders and help them um, develop the leadership skills, the, the the culture. You can teach them, obviously, how to hire effectively and do all that amazing stuff. How can somebody get hold of you should they be listening to the show and they want help in those areas? Um, thanks, Dave. The absolute best place would be LinkedIn. That's what I have found most entrepreneurs live on LinkedIn. <laughs> so that I'm always on LinkedIn. It's the best place to get hold of me. Um, or my my website, growthcrew.co.uk, um, the company's website, that's also a great place to get to get hold of me. All my details are there and it's it's easy. But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the one I'm most responsive on because I'm there 
talking to my potential customers and um, you know talking to you know adding value as much as I can. So outstanding. What we'll do is we'll put those details in the show notes. But just for clarity, because my surname is difficult to spell, it's D R I M M I E. But you're Clayton. How do you spell your surname? D R O T S K Y Drotsky. That's it, Drotsky. Yeah, it's actually Prussian. Uh, the surname. Um, my dad, before he passed, was very uh, keen on history. And I am the 13th generation Trotsky in South Africa. Wow. So, yeah, so it's been, we've been here for a while. <laughs> C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. That's a first name, which again is unusual. And then Drotsky, D-R-O-T-S-K-Y. Clayton Drotsky. Okay, so that's 100%. LinkedIn. Should be easy, easy to be found there. And then your website if you can just say that, sorry. Yeah, it's the company name. It's Growth Crew, Growth Crew, C R E W dot co dot UK. Growth Crew dot co dot UK. That's outstanding. Thank you very much. You are an outstanding young man. Enjoy your, the rest of your time in South Africa. I just think it's fantastic what you've actually achieved in your life. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and really just sharing some insights with everyone on the show. So thank you very much for that. And, um, Enjoy the rest of the time in South Africa and let's catch up soon. Yes, Dave. Thank you for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it. And yeah, let's catch up soon. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Thank you very much. Okay. So folks, that was, uh, that was Clayton today. And uh, again, I really hope you got some insights. This is uh, another podcast I would suggest you listen to again because there's so many uh, gems within the conversation. Clayton's been incredibly kind to spend time with us today. But what I'd like you also to do, if that's okay, if you could just share the link with people that you know um, and just get Clayton's message out there and help him. It's about shining the spotlight on Clayton and how he can serve people like yourself listening to this show and how you can transform your business. That's what it's all about because the whole aspect of designing a business, building strong foundations and creating freedom is what we want to do to help you get to your ideal life. So, Thanks, everyone, for listening. We've got another show coming up next week. We've got uh, some phenomenal guests, just like Clayton. And just thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. Check the show notes below for further details on this week's episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. See you next week.